This podcast is created for farmers and powered by Pioneer Agronomy to bring you agronomic insights and proven solutions to fuel forward-thinking farming. Hello and welcome to the Indiana Pioneer Agronomy podcast. I'm Brian Schrader, agronomist on eastern side of Indiana. I'm joined as always by my co-host Carl Joran, agronomist from the western side of Indiana. Uh, how are you today, Carl? I'm doing great, Brian. Awfully excited for our guest we have today. I'll let you make the introductions, though. No problem. I am extremely excited. As our listeners know, I am a weather nerd at heart, and we are fortunate enough to have Kirk Hens with us today. Uh, Kirk is the Chief Operating Officer of BAM Weather, and if you have not heard about BAM Weather, I would be incredibly surprised if you're a <laughs> grower in Indiana. Uh, these guys have an incredible footprint, Carl. I mean, they're doing a lot of things in agriculture and a lot of other things, but some of the coolest things I think they're doing is they're the meteorology source for the Cincinnati Reds, for the Pirates, for the Mariners, Eldora Speedway. I mean, a lot of stuff that they do. And so it's a, it's a real pleasure to have Kirk with us today. So thank you and welcome to the podcast, Kirk. Yeah, I know we've been trying to coordinate this for a while, and I, I love to do this this kind of stuff because I love it in my heart to educate people. Um, because at the end of the day, people think uh, people think weather is 50-50 still in terms of getting the weather forecast right, and that's that's my job to say, hey, we can do that a little bit better, uh, which in turn benefits people who make weather related decisions. So it's kind of a win win and cool to help people every day. So thank you guys for having me. Hey, no problem. I think that's a big thing too. I know that's really the calling card that BAM does is that, hey, we do it better than the 50-50. We're not satisfied to get it wrong half the time and still get our paycheck uh, to kind of quote what Michael uh, has said on that opening video on your website. I guess maybe dive in, kind of help us understand a little bit how you guys do it a little bit differently so that you are better yeah. than that 50-50. Sure. Um, and, and before I even jump into that, I'll give kind of the listeners a, a backstory of, of BAM because a lot of people don't know. So BAM stands for Brian, Amanda, Michael. So those are the, the founding okay. members of uh, BAM Weather. So we always get people like, what does that stand for? And you, obviously your imagination can go to what the <laughs> things that can stand for. Um, but we were founded about 2011, 2012. So originally our business was storm chasing. So we would go around, we would forecast um, where's there going to be severe storms? Then we would live stream those to our Facebook page. We would grow followers, um, sell that footage to new stations, and and you know that's how we would profit. And then eventually we would uh, talk to folks, be like, hey, you guys are you guys get it a little bit better than than most people. Why why don't you have a platform where you produce weather content, charge a little bit of money, and uh, maybe maybe try that out? And so it was all based on customer feedback. And I wouldn't say that was. Um, 13, 2013, 2014. Um, so a lot of what we did for the first four or five years of that, I, actually I would say five or six years, is just a lot of email content, video content, sending out local forecasts, long range updates, um, with the client base primarily being um, agriculture. You know, a lot of us, have, I have personally have an agricultural background, half my dad's family does still farm, so I've always kind of had that that thing in my head of like, hey, I, I love this side of, of the agricultural thing, I love weather, how can I bridge this gap? Um, and, and that's a really big passion of mine. And one thing um, I would say, fast forward about 2020, um, we're like, hey, you know, everybody gets the weather on their phone. At the end of the day, um, we, we could be doing, we could be crushing it on our video updates, but it's in emails. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not very, it's not a good modicum, you know, mode to, for people to access. And we're like, we, 
we got to do this on an app. That's where people are at, which is not easy, by the way. It's really, really hard. We've done all of this in-house, not outsourced, not anything. We, we built this ourselves from the ground up, so we're super proud of it. The biggest challenge, and we can get into this, is at the end of the day, uh, you know, how do we make the data go, that, that goes into the app better than than an AccuWeather or, you know, a weather channel or something else that, you know, everybody's complaining about, well, it changes six times a day. The number one, you got to be better than that. Um, and, and we approach that by, by putting a ton of sources of different data on it. We massage it, we, we change it, um, and it's location specific. So we're, we're editing all the time. More so, however, there's a chat function in our app where we, we directly communicate with the client. Because at the end of the day, uh, what makes a service better than the other? It's the human interaction. It's, it's hey, I, I've got, I've got to spray my fungicide tomorrow and I cannot have a temperature inversion um, or I can't have it rained on for three to four hours, those kind of decisions. And so that's what, that's what our passion is, is how we help people more significantly is that, that direct one-on-one -on -one conversation. And, and if, that's just what we love to do too. We just happen to do that, you know, with our service. So it, it works, you know, like I said, also outside of agronomy, we do, um, you know, like professional sporting events. Um, you know, we've added the Steelers to, uh, we do the nationals, you know, we, we do, we help a lot of big people. Um, it's just so rewarding to just be able to like make a difference in those kind of situations. So it's a lot of hard work. I don't, I don't want to understate that, but um, at the end of the day, we're just always trying to just look under every rock and, and, and do as, as better job than 50, 50 as possible. Yeah, that's great. I, I guess one of the things that we hear about a lot from our customers, I think Kirk is this idea that, um, well, I need to know what the weather is three hours out. I need three days, but you know, we look at the two week forecast from the national weather service, how difficult does it become and how much do you lose accuracy on those forecasts as you move further out? Can a grower, whether it's your service or otherwise in the traditional places we get, can they trust a 14 day forecast? Yeah. Can they trust the 30 day? What's that continuum look like when they're trying to make those decisions you talk about? Sure. That's a, a very good question. And total transparency, I would say not even 14 days, I would say five to seven days. There will be change when the forecast is generated by just strictly data. There is no, there's no uh, implementation of, hey, this model has been doing better than the other model. Now let's 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 give this more of a presence in the solution of the forecast than another model. So, and, and I say this because of the National Weather Service, and I know and I know how that engine works. I've interned there, um, and, and it's it's a blend, it's a blended model solution, which in and of itself is not bad. But when it is just kind of a set it and forget it, based mm -hmm. on just hey, we're going to throw these models in it. What happens? What happens? Um, which that's it. That's essentially what it is. Then naturally. Um, you know, some models are going to be better than others. Others are going to be worse. It's going to have a big bias. There's going to be a big room for error. You get that five, seven, 10, 14 day time frame. pound that by two weeks and there are huge errors. There's huge fluctuations in the forecast. So without talking to a person um, that knows, hey, the European model has been better in this pattern. We're going to favor that model. Um, it's just had a better handle. It's just seeing things better without that conversation. Um, it's extremely difficult. Or if, if impossible, there's no really 10 day forecast roll for nine more days where it is going to be right. There's just not. Um, it's got, and that's because things change in terms of sure. the, the low pressure systems, high pressure systems. It's close. It, it won't ever be exact. Well, it's a dynamic system. I mean, yeah, in and it of is. itself. And so yeah. it's always changing. I guess that leads me to a question. We've got a lot of access to different 
weather data. I mean, literally the raw data. So I, and not to, I don't want to pick on anybody, but a website that comes to mind for me is tropical tidbits. Uh I mean, you've got the, you've got access to those models right there. I, I guess from a lay person standpoint, can, can we learn anything from those models if we just put that in and start looking at that? Or does it really need to be massaged and looked at and viewed from the perspective that you guys have as, you know, meteorologists? Yeah, I, I think there's, I think there is both. I, and I will never tell somebody, um, because I'm, a lot of what we do is all self-taught on total transparency. The education piece of the, of what we do in the school system is not um, it, it really does not prepare you to forecast the weather, and, and it hasn't been the last 10 or 15 years. So I say that because people can learn. You can learn um, to a degree that, hey, if you, if you really watch it closely, you're going to notice that the GFS model typically overproduces rain. Um, and if you watch it really closely, you'll know that um, and, and versus another model. Um, so there is a degree where you can pick up on that uh, without a degree, um, and, and that's for sure. Now, I will say the other flip of that coin is, uh, I would highly recommend um, having a conversation with somebody like myself because it, it, it does save a significant amount of time because we do this 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We know the weather model buys it. not saying we're perfect whatsoever. Um, it's just more of an efficiency standpoint of, like, hey, you know, we're looking at this at all times um, and that way you don't have to. My, my question is, is there a metric beyond temperature rainfall growing degree units that you would like to see growers think about a little bit more uh i know your guys's model uh or app puts out a lot of different information especially at that elite level of subscription is there something that these guys ought to be paying attention to that they haven't been in the past kirk yeah uh, i think that's a really great question and we actually do like inside of our application there's something that says uh, probabilities um, and essentially what it is, is it tells you, hey, this is my most likely total amount of precipitation. And it also tells you, hey, I'm 75% chance going to see this amount. And then there's a 50% chance and there's a 25% chance. What that does is it says, uh, because, because uh, precipitation and things like that, it, it's not linear. You can't say, hey, at this location, I'm going to get 1.5 inches. Um, and then 200 yards away, it's going to be the exact same. They, they could be totally different. Um, and that's that's how weather systems work is there's no uniformity in terms of precipitation total. So what we try to do is we get a range, we get a range of outcomes. We obviously know what the most likely potential is. Viewing weather is a uh, in a range of outcomes, again, small range, but still a range of, hey, on my farm, which is spread out two and a half miles, I'm going to get 1.5 inches to two inches. Um, and a lot of people I still think are new to that idea of um, you know, because weather model and weather apps, weather apps, they say, I'm going to get 1.18 inches and then mm-hmm. that's it. There's no, there's no, well, I could be a little bit lower if this happens or a little bit higher if this happens. And then, so that's where there's a misconception of, um, you know, forecasting for your backyard, which is just not real. That, that technology is not there. It is made to seem that it is there. It is not possible. Um, weather is in a range in terms of even a short amount of, a, so, so understanding that piece of it, uh, which I think we do a pretty good job. Again, not perfect, but a pretty good job is, is a way more better way to view the risk than not. Great question. Uh, 
Kirk, that, that that's interesting. And you're talking about the forecasting in someone's backyard. You know, I, I work in Northwest Indiana. And so I, you know, have guys that farm along the Kankakee River. Um, and oftentimes I'll hear those individuals say, oh, the, you know, the rain always kind of follows the river. My dad said that, my grandfather said that. Is there merit behind those anecdotes or or what is your philosophy when it comes to those those local observations? Not, doesn't yeah. have to be specifically yeah. about the Kankakee, but yeah. following following yeah. those different geographies. I had somebody, it's funny you say that, just tell me about the Wabash. It was a, it was a few days ago. Um, and I can see how, how there could be a conception or a, a misconception there to a degree. Now that can happen. Take Lake Michigan, for example. When storms ride over Lake Michigan, naturally they're, they're gonna fall apart. Why is that? Well, because a big body of water like that, um, there's not a lot of upward movement. There's a lot more stable air above it. So a storm mm -hmm. needs a lot of upward movement to maintain. So when you don't have that environment over a big body of water and the storm is moving west to east, it's going to lose some steam. Um, so, so even something like the Mississippi River, to give you an example, it's um, not as big of a body of water, but it can happen. It can add some more stability to, uh, to, to weaken a system. Um, something mm -hmm. smaller like little lakes or little rivers, probably going to be more like happenstance than anything. Yeah, uh, but there is there is some context there. Uh, there. There's no doubt about it. It's all about just kind of the atmosphere that's that's around those areas, and typically bigger body of waters have more stable air. So it would make sense, um, you know, that that it can weaken those. Or you can make the same conversation with uh, wind farms. I get this question all the time. I've got a wind farm. It seems like I just can't get any weather, or or things are um, it, it's moving around it. And and to, for me. Uh, the science piece of it, it kind of makes sense because you get a storm to roll overhead and you get the wind generation around a big wind farm, it will alter, um, especially if it's big enough, it will alter the direction that or, or the upflow or the downflow of, of a system. It, it really can. So uh, that's, yeah, that's not a, a conspiracy theory. There is actual science. There's a <laughs> lot of actually documented um, real published reports on it. So it, it is a real thing. So it's very so interesting. So Kirk, we've got you here, uh, and we, you know, we're rolling into latter part of August. Uh, soybean crop is a bit at what I would consider a tipping point for a number of growers. Uh, a lot of questions about how we're going to finish off uh, without betraying the subscriptions no, no, of no, those folks. But uh, we would love to get your insight and the BAM weather uh, yeah. thoughts on what our late summer here and early fall forecast might be. We yeah. We, really need to talk about that before we let you go yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's a great question and i and we and let me backtrace trace that a little bit we've been in this pattern where it's it's been cooler uh, there's no doubt about it from where we have been i mean for indianapolis we've already had 20 uh, 90 degree days we normally average 17 so it is above normal terms of heat but we've come into this pattern where there's a lot cooler air there's still been some rain in the forecast it's really hard to break that pattern when it when it kind of sets up shop when you go forward into September. And there's a reason because of that is because September is naturally the lowest active jet stream month of the entire year. There's not a lot of jet stream movement. So typical patterns that are going on have a tendency to stay. Um, and so that's why you don't see a lot of movement in, in the month of September. So that's me saying, I think as we're going, especially into September, probably in the first half of October, um, I think it can be a little bit on the cooler side of things. I, I think maybe normal to slightly cooler than normal in terms of lower temperatures. Now, there's still going to be, September's always got, got some 90 degree days. So I, that's still going to be on the table. I think more days than not are going to be a little bit cooler. And I do not see that that tap of moisture shutting off. I, I think it will be there. 
Um, it's a pretty encouraging forecast, if I'm being honest, for soybeans versus what it has been on, on you know, corn, especially early corn um, that, that's been planted. It was kind of hurt by some of that drier and heat stretch period. Soybeans are, are looking a lot more optimistic to me. It sounds to me like, too, with that temperature forecast that you're kind of throwing out there that we will want to be watching potentially for some late freeze on some of these later planted cornfields is what it sounds like you're you're sharing with this growing degree and accumulation yeah. may be at the lower end of the 30 year average this year. Sure. Yes, I, I would say so overall um, in terms of the, the whole time span. Um, and, and that's a great question on the freeze. We were actually frost freeze. We're always looking at that, especially getting into August and September. Like, how are we looking? Early frost, late frost. Um, what's interesting, we're actually in a three-year La Nina right now. We're going into a three-year La Nina. Um, and, and that's only happened ever, three to four times ever. Huh. It's never happened where there's been three straight moderate strong La Ninas, which is going on now. Uh, it's never happened never been recorded so there is a little bit of territory there where like well, what happens i mean transparently i don't know everything this has never happened we can get a good idea of what's happened in the past but i mean at the end of the day you know, three months from now it has that potential to change but you know other two to three year is going into september october they're typically not cold um they're typically warm up getting later into september and october and there is a much later frost and freeze potential so for me when mm -hmm. i'm hearing that i'm like i'm encouraged and push this crop along a little bit further um, and, and I would say confidently that's where I'm at right now I don't see an early frost freeze risk I, I think we can probably extend this growing season a little bit longer oh wow that's that's good I know that there was a fair amount of that corn that was planted in late yeah. May and early June and had a conversation with a grower this morning that uh, still seeing some yellow silks and some oh, of that sure. later planted corn yeah. so that's yeah. uh, excellent news and encouraging I'm sure for a lot of our listeners who have those uh, oh, late, for sure. Yeah. Late I'm planted cornfields. Sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Nothing worse than I think it was uh, maybe three years ago, we were absolutely drenched going into yep. uh, going into harvest. I mean, gosh, we had some mm -hmm. guys that were harvesting on Christmas locally yes. around the area um, and there was barely a crop left. So um, I, I would be encouraged that it's not looking that way. Um, okay. I think the rain would be further down to the south that is much more heavier. So it, it, it's looking pretty good. I'm, I'm encouraged. So Kirk, tell us a little bit more about your app. I think that's probably the best way for our listeners to be able to tap into you guys and your service. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and what it yeah. offers and, sure. and yeah. those kind of things? I, I appreciate you bringing that up for sure. So at the end of the day, um, what makes it different? What makes our service different? It's like what we're doing right now. I love to talk with people. There's a 24 seven access to do that. We have a team of seven meteorologists. So there's somebody on staff all the time uh, overnight, we, we love to get those questions of, of uh, you know, I, I need to make this decision. What are your thoughts? And I always tell people that, that join our service. I'm like, I get more frustrated with people that do not ask the questions of mm. how can I help or what are the decisions than they don't. Um, because the worst thing you want to do is assume. And the best thing that we can do is help. So uh, asking those questions, what I will be love to do to help. Um, some other, other, um, other uh, services we offer, we do spray forecasts. So in terms of whether it be relative humidity, wind, uh, you know, temperature, or temperature inversion, cloud cover, things like that, we're, uh, we're really, we've done a lot of research and work with a lot of agronomists to kind of get the best spray idea of, hey, this is good, or hey, we shouldn't. Um, GDUs, offer GDU accumulation, GDU forecasts. Um, one of my favorite things is evapotranspiration. So how much moisture am I gonna be naturally losing to, to just evapotranspiration? Just evaporation. So we got a forecast out to, to seven days on that. So 
Um, that's really cool for folks to do a lot of turf management or, or golf courses like, hey, I'm going to lose 0.15 inches a day. I can kind of gear my irrigation schedule or even folks that irrigate too around. That. And it does a really sure. good job um, too as well. Um, just a higher quality in terms of, like I mentioned, the data that goes in with. So there's over 60 different weather models that get plugged into um, application just for accuracy. Um, you know, I love our radar. It updates every two minutes. It's high resolution. Um, so it's, 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 there really isn't any, there actually isn't anything that updates more frequently um, than that. I offer a lot of future radar. Again, I, I don't want to turn this into a sales pitch, but a lot of my favorite things are all of my favorite things are inside the application and it's all built on user feedback. So that's what I, I tie that piece in. We love to talk with people. Uh, there wouldn't be a weather portal app if it wasn't for people like, Hey, I need this. I need this uh, tool. I, this would help me. Um, so it, it, everything that we add to it is pretty much my customer feedback. Because at the end of the day, um, if it doesn't help you and, and it's not accurate, nobody's going to pay for it. Um, and, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't either. So that's, we always kind of have that mentality. And, and I know you guys do too, you know, you're in the helping business of people and um, it brings you a lot of joy when you're able to do that. Well, Carl, I have a ton of weather apps on my phone. It's almost <laughs> embarrassing, yeah. but Everybody not a, know. not a one of them yeah. allows me to talk to somebody. Right. And that's, that's a huge deal that to me, that that's what makes you guys different is that if, if I'm need to make a decision, I've got somebody I get to roll it around with. And to be fair, that's a little bit like the role that you and I have Carl, that when they're trying to, when our growers are trying to make a decision, they've got our phone number and they can call us and we can talk through that with them. And I, that's incredibly value valuable for our corn customers. And I can see how it would be incredibly valuable for your guys' right. customers as well, Kirk. That's a, yeah, that's no a huge distinction that you guys have there. I so. think too, just on that, and just to take it away from, uh, take it away from the weather piece of things, uh, a lot of that is missing in today's, and uh, in, in, in what's going on today is we're, get, we're getting automation, everything. Everything's automated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and when you take that human piece out of it, um, you know, it, it, it's just another service. You know, it's, it's not, it may have some value, but at the end of the day, you know, let, let, let me put it back to weather. Who programmed weather models? People programmed weather models. Uh, but but knowing how there's biases or, or just over time, that's the key piece is because those uh, weather models are not updated frequently. Maybe once a year, maybe twice a year. So you, over time, you understand that, hey, this isn't going to change. So we need to re- relay this to somebody in terms of risk. Um, so that's, I, I think even with what you guys do, there will always need to be that, that piece of, um, being able to connect with somebody that that maybe knows a little bit more than I do, which I think is so so valuable because no, nobody can know everything, but knowing somebody that does know, I, I think is the best use of time. Uh, very well said. I, I appreciate that. So, so Kirk, I guess if if somebody's heard something today that kind of piques their interest, uh, either from you or from BAM Weather, how could folks plug in to see what yeah. you're doing, what BAM Weather's doing? Uh, maybe get hooked up if they wanted to decide to purchase the app. How could they just yeah. find out everything they need to know? Yeah, I, I appreciate that very much. Um, I'm, I'm always open to talk with people. Uh, my email is Kirk, K-I-R-K at BAMWX.com. That's B as in boy, A as in, or B as in Brian, I should say. A as in Amanda, M as in Michael, WX.com. Uh, or my Twitter handle is, uh, is Met, M-E-T underscore K-H-I-N-Z. K-H-I-N-Z. So, um, I, I'm very active on there. I, I love when people ask me questions. I'm, um, I'm proud to almost have you know 10,000 followers, and that's because of 
you know, not just because I feel like my forecasts are accurate, but because uh, I, I, people ask me questions and I respond back and I'm just a normal person. You know, I'm not like, uh, I'm not unapproachable and I, and I, I don't, don't agree with accounts that are that way because at the end of the day, if we're not solving problems and helping people, then there is no value there. It's not a lot of value, so it's, it means a lot to me. Well, we appreciate you coming on with us today and answering our questions and letting our listeners get to know you and Bam a little bit better better today. So uh, it's been a real honor for us to have you on. Yeah, so, like so Carl, oh, you're very welcome. We we do appreciate the time. So Carl, if folks need to get a hold of you, how could they get a hold of you? Yep, I can testify to Kirk. Uh, that's how we got connected was on Twitter. So by all means, find him there. And if you're looking to find me and what's going on in Northwest Indiana, you can do so on Twitter at Cjorn. And Mr. Schrader, how about yourself? Yep, you can find me on Twitter at BK Schrader or on Instagram at B underscore K underscore Schrader. And so with that, we thank you all for listening. We appreciate uh, Kirk and the folks at BAM uh, allowing us this time to be able to learn more about what they're doing and talk about weather in Indiana. With that, we'll call it an episode. Thanks for joining the Indiana Pioneer Agronomy Podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode from the Pioneer Agronomy Team. Be sure to visit pioneer.com backslash podcasts to access additional episodes and learn more about our extensive on-farm data and innovative digital tools that are fueling forward-thinking farming.